you want to know what the physical occupancy is at the property. That is the total percentage of units that are occupied, as well as the economic occupancy. So of those occupied units, what is the rate of paying residents? Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode, and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School Go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best of your listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes as well as video episodes that are part of a larger series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we offer some sort of document, resource, spreadsheet, template, something free to download for free that accompanies that series. All of these free documents, as well as the past Syndication School series, episodes, podcasts, and YouTube videos can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be a continuation of a series we started the previous two weeks. This is going to be part five. And the series is entitled, How to Asset Manage a Newly Acquired Apartment Syndication Deal. 
So if you haven't done so already, I highly recommend listening to parts one through four. Again, those are at syndicationschool.com. And at this point in the process, you've done everything up to the point where you found a deal, put the deal under contract, did all of your due diligence, raised all the capital, closed on the deal, and now you are in the asset management phase. And the last step after that is going to be closing, which will be the next series. So this is going to be a series focused on everything you need to know about asset managing the deal. Now in parts one through three, we actually started off by discussing a general overview of what you're going to need to do as an asset manager. So in parts one and two and three, we went over the top 10 asset management duties. So as a reminder, the person who is the asset manager may have also been the person and is likely the person who also found the deal under the deal and managed the entire due diligence process. And then the other partner raised the capital. So during this asset management phase, as I discussed in parts one through three, the asset manager is going to be doing the majority of the duties, but the person who raised capital also has some responsibilities as well. So it's a team effort. And then also you've got your property management company who's actually going to be the boots on the ground doing the day-to-day management. So it's a three-person team, or if your GP involves multiple people raising capital, multiple people asset managing, then it's going to be more than three people. But overall, it's a team effort. And make sure you check out episodes part one, two, and three, because we went over in extreme detail those 10 asset management duties and who's responsible for what and what you're supposed to do. And then in part four, we focused in on one of those duties, which is to maintain the economic occupancy at the property. So we went over 19 ways to market a rental listing. So definitely check out that episode as well. As a refresher, your property management company should be implementing the best marketing practices, but if for some reason they are not, then these are 19 things that you can recommend that they do. Now, I mentioned in that episode, part four, that one of the reasons why you might be more involved in maintaining the economic occupancy is if you hire the wrong property management company. And I told you that we're going to discuss how to go through the process of letting go and firing a management company, which we're going to talk about in tomorrow's episode. So in this episode, we're actually going to focus on how you actually manage the property management company. So whether the company's good or bad, these are the things that you need to do in order to manage them either forever or until you find a new property management company. So part five is going to be all about how to manage your property management company, how to interact with them. And some of these things are going to be a repeat of what we discussed in parts one through three. And the reason why they're repeats is because they are extremely important and they are things that you're going to want to keep top of mind when you are asset managing your deal. So let's jump right into it. So it's going to be broken into five different parts of this episode. So first we're going to talk about how often you should interact with the management company. So at an absolute minimum, you're going to want to have monthly performance calls with your property management company. But as I mentioned in parts one through three, you are going to want to set up a weekly call during the value add phase of the project. So I'm assuming you're a value add investor, which means you're buying deals that are stabilized from an occupancy perspective, but for some reason or another, the income or the expenses are not actually optimized. So 
either the rents are low, the unit interiors are outdated, there's some sort of operational expense that's too high, and you're going to go in there, you're going to fix that with the purpose of increasing the net operating income and therefore increasing the value of the property. And as I mentioned in parts one through three, the property management company that you hire ideally will help you with the renovations. So we've got interior renovations, exterior renovations, and then also maybe some operational improvements. Your property management company ideally is going to help you out with this. And during that time, it could be a few months or it could be up to two to three years, you're going to want to perform weekly calls with the property management company. And then once you've stabilized the property, once the renovations are completed, the operational improvements are implemented, at that point, you can either continue doing weekly calls or you can change to monthly calls or you can just have calls on an as-needed basis. But at minimum, you want to talk to them at least once a month. And at minimum, you want to talk to them at least once a week during the stabilization period. Now, during these calls, who should attend? Well, the asset manager and your team obviously should attend. So that's you or your business partner or one of your business partners. And then you also want to have the on-site manager on the call as well. So that's the person who's the top of the food chain at the actual property. Ideally, you can have the regional manager on the call as well, assuming that you are working with a large property management company that is located in more than just the market that you're in. So typically how property management companies work with their national companies, they'll have national headquarters where they'll have the CEOs and the CFOs and things like that. But then they'll have regional hubs. So for example, for the East, they might have a regional hub in Miami. So you want to have the person who's the regional manager who's in charge of that Miami office on those calls as well. Maybe not every week, but at least once a month. And then during those calls, we've already talked about this in parts one through three, but we'll go over it again in the later parts of this episode. But you're going to want to review property reports and then review your key performance indicators, your KPIs during these monthly or weekly performance calls. So number two is what reports should you expect from the property management company? And if you go to parts one through three, we gave away a free weekly performance review tracker, which has all of the important KPIs on it for you to track. So you send that to your management company up front, obviously setting expectations then and letting them know before you close that that's what you want to do. You want them to fill out this tracker. You send that to them once and then you ask them to fill it out each week before the call. Now here are a few other reports or a few other things you're going to want to get from your management company. All of these should be on that weekly performance review tracker that we gave away for free. But if they are not or if you want to get these as an actual separate document as opposed to filling out the template, here's what you should ask for. So number one, you can ask for a box score. Now, a box score is a summary of the leasing activity at the property, including the number of move-ins and move-outs, the unit occupancy status, so out of all the units at the property, which ones are vacant but already leased, which ones are vacant but are no longer leased, which ones are, are vacant and are ready to be leased. Maybe a unit has been given an eviction notice, but you already have the unit leased or you don't have it leased. It's a model unit, it's a down unit, it's being used for something else. All of these different codes you can have for the unit to describe its current status. So you're going to want to know all that, and that should be included on the box score. And it's not going to be a list of every single unit. It'll just be a list of, okay, out of the 100 units, this many are vacant and leased, this many are vacant and not leased, this many are models, notice but leased, etc. 
Next, you're gonna want an occupancy report. So you wanna know what the physical occupancy is at the property. That is the total percentage of units that are occupied, as well as the economic occupancy. So of those occupied units, what is the rate of paying residents? So these are likely gonna be different. Typically, physical occupancy is gonna be higher than economic occupancy. So let's say you've got 100 units and 90 of those are occupied, but only 80 of those are actually paying rent and the 10 aren't. Well, then your physical occupancy is going to be 90% and your economic occupancy is going to be 80%. You're also you're going to want an occupancy forecast. So this is similar to the occupancy report, but this is projected. So by the end of the month or by the end of the next 30 days, what's the projected occupancy based on, as I mentioned in the box score, the units that are vacant but already leased, the ones that have a notice to be evicted but they're already leased, and then obviously on the other hand, the units that are down, so the units that are actually vacant, and you know they're going to be vacant at the end of 30 days. Expiring leases as well, things like that. Next is a delinquency report. So if the economic occupancy is lower than the physical occupancy, the details of that will be listed on the delinquency report. So it's a list of all of the residents who are late on rent or other fees you're charging them and then what those amounts actually are. Then you've got your leasing reports. So this is a summary of the actual leasing activity. So these are things like what's the traffic at the property, what's your current leasing information, your current concession information, marketing information, projections. So essentially all of the information you need to know about what's being done to lease the units. Another report you're going to want to see is accounts payable. So this is just the amount of money that you or the property owes to your vendors. That's including the property management company. Then lastly, you're going to want to have a report about cash on hand, which is essentially the liquidity at the property. So how much money do you actually have in your bank account? Now here's some other reports that you're going to want to receive. So those reports are what you want on a weekly basis. Just because if something is off on those, you need to catch it sooner rather than later. These reports are things you're going to want to get on a monthly basis. So we've talked about this before, but you want to get the income and expense statements, the profit and loss statement, the T12, however you want to call it. This is the detailed monthly report with all the income and expense line items listed out in extreme detail. So you get all your income line items, all your expense line items, and then the dollars associated with each of those, as well as a final column that has the variance of the actuals compared to your budget. And that'll be something important to track. We'll discuss that here in a little bit. You're going to want a report of all the deposits. So this is just a summary of the security deposits information, the current balance, any forfeits, any checks that were returned, any tenants who moved out and were refunded. You're going to want a general ledger, which is a summary of all the financial transactions for that month. So any money that went out, it'll list out what that was spent on. A balance sheet, which lists out a summary of all the assets, liabilities, and capital. A trial balance, which is a summary of all debits and credits. The rent roll, which we talked about before, which is a summary of all the unit information. So for each of the units, what's the occupancy status, market rent, current rent, when are they going to move in, when did their lease start, when does their lease end, what other fees are they being charged, what's their security deposit, and what's their balance. You're also going to want to see the expiration reports, which is a summary of the expiring leases. And then finally, a maintenance report, which is a summary of the maintenance issues at the property currently, as well as the costs associated with fixing those issues. That's a lot of reports. 
And all of these reports are essentially allowing you to track the performance of the property and make sure that your actual expenses and your actual incomes and your actual future expenses and incomes are on point with your projections. And if they aren't, then you will be able to catch those by reviewing these various reports. Now, these are a lot of reports. And obviously, your property management company may or may not send you all of these, which is why it's very important that, I mentioned this before, I keep mentioning it over and over again, that you set expectations with your property management company before you close on the deal, and ideally before you even have a deal. So you initially are interviewing property management companies, they interview 10 management companies, and one of the things you want to bring up is that, hey, I would like to receive weekly and monthly reports. Is that something you guys can do? And they say yes or no. The ones that say yes and end up hiring them, after you hire them and you're starting to look at deals or you are, have a deal in our contract, is at that point you want to send them an email. Here's a list of the reports I want on a weekly basis. Here's a list of the reports I want on a monthly basis. And then can we have weekly performance review calls to go over these reports during the stabilization period? And once we're done, we can go to monthly calls. If they say, no, we don't do any of that, then you might need to find another property management company. If they say, well, we can do this, this, and this, but we can't do this, this, and this, then you have to decide, well, do I want to continue with this property management company or do I need to find someone else who will actually send me all of this? So these aren't all the reports you request. These are just ones that are pretty common. And your property management company, since they are common, should send you these. They should have some sort of software, which brings us into number three, which is how do you actually obtain these reports. And the best way would be to ask your property management company to just create some sort of custom report in their management software that automatically sends you these reports on a weekly or monthly basis. So someone at their company types in all the information for the property anyways, and then based off of all of that, they should have some sort of option to say, hey, I want a general ledger, I want a balance sheet, I want a rent roll, I want a maintenance report, I want to send the delinquency report, occupancy stuff, every single week. That way, it automatically sends your email and it's just, they have to set it up one time and that's it. So that's the best way to go about doing it which is why it's nice to have a management company that actually has their own software and they're not just sending you a scanned piece of paper with all this written out. Ideally, it's in PDF or Excel form so you can open it up and easily see all the information that you need to see. Another way to find these reports is to actually get access to the property management company's software. So that might be another good question to ask your management company is, what software do you use and will I have access to this software? That way... All they need to do is input the data each month, and then you can go in there and download each of those reports on your own. Now, if your management company does not use a software, or if you don't like the way the reports look for one reason or another, then the third option is for you to actually create your own custom spreadsheet. So essentially, use that weekly performance review template that we provided in parts one through three, and ask them to fill that out on the monthly and the weekly basis. But overall, you're gonna want a management company that does this. And if they don't, you need to know before you close on the deal because then if you end up closing on the deal and you realize that they're not gonna send you this information, well, you're gonna have a hard time tracking the performance of the deal. So that's number three. Number four is what metrics should you focus on the most? So I mentioned 10 plus reports. And each of those reports, there's probably 100 different KPIs to look at. So which ones are the most important? Well. And I've mentioned before, the most important is to track the cash flow coming in relative to your cash flow projections. And those are the projections you offer to your investors when you were securing commitments from them. 
So you're going to want to take a look at the income and expense report that you get on a monthly basis. And you want to look at that far right column, which is a variance, and see how similar or how off your forecasted projections were compared to the actuals. So for each line item, there's going to be a variance number, a positive or a negative number, and you want to focus on the items that have the greatest variance, or the very least that have the highest magnitude of variance. So if you expected to have another income of X and the other income is Y and X minus Y is $100,000, then you probably want to focus on that as opposed to something that's maybe a $10,000 variance or a $5 variance. So if you get your monthly report and you see that there's a massive variance in other income, well, then you're going to want to create a strategy with your management company during your weekly performance call on how to bring that line item back on track. So for the value-added business plan, again, that's you doing some sort of improvement to the income or expenses in order to raise the property value. The number of units that you projected to renovate each month relative to what you're actually doing is something else that you want to focus on, especially during the first 12 to 24 months, which is most likely going to be your stabilization period. And not only that, you also want to make sure you're tracking the actual rental premiums that you're getting for the renovated units compared to what you projected. So those are the two things you really want to focus on. And all the other reports will help you identify why those are off. So why you have a high variance, why your rental premiums are off. So you essentially want to look at those two reports, the reports of the income and expenses and then the renovation report. And if something's off, that's when you want to go through all of your other reports and see if you can identify exactly why that is off. Obviously, there's other metrics like leasing metrics, capital expenditure costs, total income, and others that may vary from what you projected during the actual value-add portion of the business plan just because you're doing renovations. And just because there's a variance doesn't necessarily mean there's an issue. So, for example, let's say you've got your CapEx budget broken down by month. And you realize that month six, your actual CapEx expense is way higher than the actual budget. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're spending too much money on the renovations or your renovation estimates were too high. It could just mean you're ahead of schedule, right? It could just mean that instead of renovating 10 units a month, you renovated 15 units a month. So over the six-month period, that's 30 extra units. So whatever that cost is, is going to be your variance. So every single variance isn't necessarily a problem. Unless, obviously, you don't have the cash to be ahead of schedule. That's just one example. Or another example could be that your total income at the property may be lower than you forecasted because during the first three months you had a higher number of move-outs than you anticipated. So if that happens, then you need to ramp up your leasing and rent those units back out. That's something that may happen when you buy a new deal that's kind of outside of your control and it isn't the end of the world. But obviously if for example, you projected a rental premium of $150 and are getting $50, then that's a pretty big issue that you need to figure out what went wrong and how to fix that because 100 bucks per unit across all 100 plus units is a huge variance in cash flow. So as I mentioned, the key metrics that you want to focus on are going to be the forecasted versus the actual rent premiums on those renovated units. Other metrics that you can track that may cause a high income or expense variance are a higher turnover rate than expected. Take a look at your economic occupancy rate. 
Take a look at the average days to lease a unit. Take a look at the revenue growth assumption that you had versus what's actually happening. Take a look at the traffic of potential prospective tenants coming in. Take a look at the number of evictions. Take a look at your leasing ratio and other metrics in those reports I mentioned above. And just make sure you work with your management company if there's a variance. They should help you out. And then lastly, number five is what are some other things that best asset managers do? And well, I gave you a list of 10 of those in parts one through three, but here are just a few other things I wanted to briefly touch on. Number one is that you want to look at your property management company as an actual partner. So they're not just someone who's working for you, but they're a partner in the deal because their actions have a very strong impact on the success of the deal. So when you are initially screening them as well as on an ongoing basis, ask yourself questions like, is this company someone that I would want to work with for a long time? Does their track record speak for itself? What are the tenants, either your tenants or tenants from other properties saying about them? How professional are they when they're speaking with a potential tenant, which you can determine by actually role-playing or have someone you know role-play as a tenant and see how they interact with that person? Are they willing to make any changes? Do the employees that work for them like working there? Are they engaged on social media? So just things that you would want a partner to do are things that you want to determine on an upfront basis and an ongoing basis with the property management company. Next, the best asset managers also always look ahead. As I mentioned this in part one through three about those 10 asset management duties, you should always be evaluating the market. You should always be evaluating the competition to compare your property to them. You should be tracking and maximizing the income growth and expense decline on an ongoing basis. And you should ensure that your tenants that are living there are actually satisfied by checking your reviews, checking what people are saying about you on social media, as well as hosting community events. For the community events, we will talk about that probably next week on the list of different events you can host for your residents to maximize their satisfaction and your attention rate. Also, just like you would a business partner, since your private management company is your partner, you want to watch what they're doing like a hawk in a sense, or like a, like a snake or some other animal that has amazing vision. Because a lot of people for the apartments education investment strategy focus on the front end activities. So they talk about how to find deals, how to find money, how to know whether they need to form an LLC or when they need to form an LLC, thought leadership platforms, building a team, securing funding from lenders. Obviously all those things are very important, but the asset management side of the syndication is not focused on as much because it's not as sexy. And also, it's something that you're going to be doing for years or even decades, where you'll be looking for deals for maybe six months to a year. You find a deal, and that particular deal you'll be asset managing for a long time. And so much of your company's and the asset success is going to be dependent on the property management company and their staff at the actual property. So if you don't watch them, like your career depends on it, because it does, then you're not going to be able to scale as quickly as you want, and you might not be able to scale at all. So we're going to talk about tomorrow exactly what you need to look at, and then depending on what you see, if it makes sense to actually fire the property management company. Because firing a property management company and going through the process of finding a new one and maybe having a few down months is going to be 
way better than having a really bad product management company for the entirety of your career, no matter how short it will be. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Last thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is that make sure you're visiting the property at least once a month in person. And if for some reason you just can't make it out one month, a good strategy is to buy a GoPro and have someone that you know in the area or maybe even someone on your property management company drive the property and walk the property with the GoPro and then send you the video so you can look at it. Obviously not the best approach, but better than not seeing the property at all. Because again, I said this before in the previous parts, but you can look at all their ports in the world, but they always say a picture says a thousand words or however the saying goes. You need to actually see the property in person to know exactly what's going on. And maybe there's some issue on the report that you have no idea what the problem is. And then you visit the property for five minutes and you identify exactly what the issue is. And if you didn't visit the property, well, you never would have known. So those are the best practices for managing your property management company. As I mentioned tomorrow, we're going to talk about, okay, so you're managing a property management company and I'm watching them like a hawk for six months. Identify that they're doing this, this, and this, and I want to fire them. So we're going to talk about what this, this, and this are, as well as how to actually fire the property management company. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Until then, I recommend listening to parts one through four. I recommend listening to other syndication school series on the how-tos of apartment syndications. And download the free property weekly performance review tracker. All that can be found at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.